Welcome to the Daily Thunder podcast. I am your host, beat writer for dailythunder.com, Brandon Rabar, and I am joined by nobody. Everybody bailed on me. I am all by my lonesome regular Daily Thunder podcast host, Ryan Woods, was apparently physically, emotionally, and spiritually drained by the San Antonio Spurs Oklahoma City Thunder game, and he just did not have the energy to come on and talk to me tonight. And then I tried Olivia Punchall, my cross bolts buddy, and she uh, she basically told me that talking to me for two minutes and 20 seconds, two times a week was her limit. So I am on my own. But hey, who cares? Because I am pumped to talk about this game. Spurs, Thunder, Lou Dort. This game came down to a Lou Dort three in the corner, on his own, and Lugans nails this three. Nobody ever had any doubt whatsoever that it was going to go in. Lou was outstanding in the whole fourth quarter, quite honestly. He hit three threes in the last few minutes, and then that clutch three to win the game. Now we finally know what would have happened had Lou Dort not been blocked by James Harden in game seven of the Rockets' playoff series. The Thunder obviously would have won. This was the only sample size I needed to see. I have all the evidence and proof I needed. The Thunder would have won and gone on to play the Lakers in round two because Lou Dort apparently has the clutch gene. It was funny because he said in the post-game interview that this was the first game winner he's ever hit in his life at any level, high school, college, pros, first game winner. That moment was so pure, unadulterated joy. Lou Dort hits the three. He falls down. The team immediately bum rushes him, jumps on top of him. I think that moment was so wholesome and pure that it had to warm even the tankiest of hearts. So happy for Lou. The team was happy for Lou, and I think all Thunder fans, tank or not, were happy for Lou. But the real story here wasn't even Lou Dort. I mean, Lou Dort, he's supposed to be one of the best defenders in the league. He's not supposed to be a shooter. He's not supposed to be an offensive guy. He's an undrafted sophomore. And him hitting his first ever game winner was not the story of this game. That's how fun this game was. The real story was his Canadian teammate, Mr. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Excuse me, all-star Shea Gilgis-Alexander because he was snubbed. I don't care that he's on a losing team. I've done the numbers. I've crunched the numbers. I got real nerdy about this, actually. And Shay, I don't care if you want to throw Mike Conley at me, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, I love you. But any of those guys, DeMar DeRozan, Ja, Shay has a better case than all of them. When you crunch the numbers, he has been outstanding this season. And this was the cherry on top. This was the chef's kiss or the middle finger. I'm not sure which one for being an all-star snub. Now, in the post game, Shea Gilgis Alexander said that being snubbed for the All Star game was not extra motivation. Shea scored 42 points for the first time in his career, career high, 42 points on 20 shots, six of 11 from three, 21 points in the third quarter alone. So I'm just going to take him at his word. I have no reason whatsoever to question 
Shay, he is an upstanding, high character, highly intelligent young man. So I'm sure he was not lying to the media when he said there was no extra motivation because of the all-star snap. I'm just going to believe that it was just really coincidental that in 177 career NBA games that he just so happened to score 40 or more points for the first time the game after he was snubbed for an all-star appearance. I mean, why not believe him? It's Shea, right? No, Shea was just outstanding. This guy just keeps raising his own ceiling. The expectations that I and all Thunder fans and analysts, everyone in the media, all NBA observers have for him. I think coming into the season, Thunder fans thought that he was a guy that could be the third best player and a contender, maybe the second best player on a contender, but that was questionable. Could he be the second best player on a contender? Not sure. Now, he absolutely could be the second best player on a contender. Now, the only question is, can he be the best player on a contender? Can he be the 1A to a 1B, like a Kate Cunningham on a contender? I think at this point, you can't question Shea. He's only 22, and he's already doing this. He's already scoring at an elite level. He's playing like an all-star. Whether he made the all-star game or not, he is absolutely playing like an all-star. And if you look at the numbers, averaging 23-6-5, there's only six guys doing it. And every single one of those guys is an MVP candidate, considered like a top five-ish player in the league. Now, I'm not saying that Shea should be an MVP candidate because, no. I'm not saying he's a top five player in the league. Come on. But when you crunch the numbers and you look at his offense and how efficiently he's scoring, and he's also getting those rebounds and assists and the volume he's scoring at, it puts him in elite cream of the crop, best of the best territory. It truly does. That's how great Shea has been. And he's only 22 and he's got a great work ethic. He's really smart and he wants to be one of the greats. He has said it in so many post-game media zoom calls and he always says he wants to be one of the greats. So it's something he's, he's striving for. And at this point, he's exceeded expectations every single year. He was the number 11 overall draft pick in the 2018 draft. In a redraft now, does he go number two? I mean, Luka goes number one still. Most people would say Trey Young at number two. And then Shea or DeAndre Ayton at number three and four. To me, at this point, I take Shea over Trey. And that's not biased. That's not Homer. That's just looking at the stats. That's looking at the numbers. And then that's not even considering the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think that Shea is arguably a better player than Trey right now. And DeAndre Ayton, he might go number two in a stacked draft. Then his rookie season, he's one of the best players on a Clippers team that exceeded expectations. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs. They made it as the number eight seed, gave the number one seed Warriors a great first round series. He was the best player in a couple of those games as a rookie. Then as a sophomore, he led the Thunder in scoring. On any given night, he was the best player on a team with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams. And that team overperformed two seasons in a row. He was one of the leading guys on a team that overperformed, made the playoffs. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs. And in season three, again, overperforming. Yeah, this team isn't going to make the playoffs, but they're winning more teams than they were supposed to. Too good to tank? Maybe because of Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's just been phenomenal this season, and he's accelerated the rebuild possibly. I mean, if 
the Thunder and Sam Presti were looking at this as a as a three or four year project. Maybe all of a sudden it becomes a two or three year project because he has already made the leap to stardom. And then you got to kind of start thinking, okay, well, what happens now if you pair him with a blue chip talent in the draft? You get a top five guy. Then you have all this cap space to work with. Maybe a couple years down the line, you can trade for a star using all those draft picks, or you can sign a free agent, sign some high-profile role players. The options are endless now, but, you know, Sam Presley talked about repositioning. I think that Shea may cause the repositioner to reposition again. That's how good he has been. Okay, have I talked enough about Shea? I could keep going on, but I guess I should talk about some other guys. Really, the only other guys to talk about, this was kind of the Shea and Lou show. Lou took over in the last few minutes. He ended up with 16 points, four or seven from three. The game-winning shot, of course. But Al Horford as well, 16 points. So consistent. Couple of threes, as always, seven assists, seven rebounds. And Al was the man who found Lou Dort for the game-winning three. He dished it to him after he drew a double team from Patty Mills. Al Horford is just a walking first-round pick. It's just a matter of is that this season or next season that that happens. So speaking of the draft picks, let's do our nightly update of tankathon.com. Right now, the Thunder are tied for number seven with Orlando. And the Thunder do want to get a top five draft pick. That's the plan. You want to get one of those elite guys, Kate Cunningham, Jonathan Kaminga, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green. The idea to pair one of those elite guys with Shea and then move forward And the best way to do that is to lose games. And with Shea and Al Horford, and then, of course, George Hill when he comes back, and Lou Dort, the Thunder are just better than a lot of these teams at the bottom. You've got the Wolves, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Rockets, unfortunately, at number four. Then you got the Wizards. They're going to move up. They're going to start winning some more. They got Russ and Bill. They're fine. Then you got the Kings who don't want to lose, but they've lost eight in a row. The Rockets have lost nine in a row. The Wolves have lost six in a row. So how are the Thunder going to move up? They're tied with Orlando. They want to win, so they should get better, but they've got a lot of injuries. Everybody really below or above, however you want to say it, the Thunder want to win. They should keep winning out. So I think the lowest the Thunder will go, they're tied for seven right now, so you got eight teams. I think that's the, the worst it'll get for the Thunder. The Hawks, the Pelicans, the Celtics, the Knicks, the Grizzlies, the Mavs, those are all teams that want to win. So the idea is to jump up into that top five or so. You'd like to get to the top three. The best way to do that, unfortunately, I love the guy, is to trade away Al Horford, if at all possible. Trade away George Hill, Mike Muscala. These guys are helping Shea win too much. Shea is playing like an all-star. Al Horford is not that far off from his all-star past. So you got two near all-stars, basically, with a group of try-hard, high-energy, high-effort, highly-intelligent basketball players. And that's winning the Thunder more games than they planned on. So if they're going to get a top-five pick, the All-Star break is coming up here in about a week. And I'm really curious to see during this downtime if that's when Sam Presti makes his move. The trade deadline's not until March 25th, so there's some time. But this is a weird season. It's a shortened season. And with that week break, you got to wonder if Presti pulls the trigger on some moves to one, bring assets into the Thunder, get more draft picks and more young players possibly, but also to try to make the team 
a little bit worse to get into that bottom five. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. There's so many moves and so many options for Sam Presti to make. The Rockets pick is something to watch because the Rockets are now number four, which just so happens to be a top four protected swap. Fortunately, though, these are not the final standings. These just determine the odds. So even in a worst case scenario, the Thunder would have a 48% chance to get the Rockets pick. And that could be a top five pick at best. Good news, bad news with the Rockets pick. Bad news, bad news with the Miami pick. Unfortunately, they've won four games in a row. They've won seven of their last 10. They are now in the playoff picture. And we all knew this was going to happen. It was a fun delusional dream while it lasted that that could possibly be a lottery pick. I don't think it's going to happen. But even in that worst case scenario, it looks like maybe that's a number 20 overall pick instead of like a 25, 26-ish overall pick like we originally feared when this season started. So Shea's taking a leap to start him. That was the most important. Lou Dort looks like a core young piece moving forward that can be an important role player for this Thunder team as they as they usher in their next era of competitive ball. And the Thunder ultimately are a bottom eight team right now and can work their way up into a bottom five draft pick with some moves. So this has been a fun team, a competitive team, an entertaining team for the present, but the future looks better than ever because of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort. And tonight against the Spurs, was just kind of a sneak peek into what maybe we can expect for the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the future looks really, really bright. So up next for the Thunder is going to be a battle in OKC of the snub third-year point guards with OKC ties. Shea versus Trey, Friday night at the peak. We'll have a podcast right after the game. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Daily Thunder Podcast. (laughs) 